everybody. Welcome to Hebsey on Sports. I'm your host, Mark Hebsher, and the podcast is proudly sponsored by Crosswinds Golf and Country Club in Burlington. I was out there yesterday with some friends. We had a terrific time. Was it ever hot? Thank God they supplied us with free water, or we would have been jumping into the pond on number five. You should check it out. Crosswindsgolf.com. Great place. Great food. Terrific people. Highly recommended by moi. We also welcome mortgage specialist John Vassos to the podcast. Uh, why get your mortgage from a jewelry guy or from those bastards at the bank? You know, you think they're telling you the truth. They're not. They're lying to you. It's not the best rate. Get a mortgage expert who will give you personalized service. Call John or text them. 647-535-1440. 647-535-1440. Johnny V, by the way, is his nickname. When you mentioned it on the last, and this is Toronto Mike here, when you mentioned it on the last podcast, he said, hey, that's what that's what they call me, Johnny V. Of course they do. And when you said John Vassos, I was about to scream out, Johnny V. It's him. Go ahead. He's a huge sports fan too, so uh, you love him long time. Today on the show, the <laughs> Rogers Cup tennis tourney begins in Toronto and Montreal simultaneously. I never liked this in the first place. I never liked this idea, same time, because I can't concentrate on ball. I can't go back and forth. Women should be one week, the men should be the next week, but that's up to them. So, uh, no Roger Federer for the men in Toronto, no Serena Williams for the women in Montreal, but they do have Jeannie Bouchard, and Toronto has Milos and Chapo and Felix, too. Hall of Famer Terrell Owens refuses to go to the induction ceremonies of the National Football League Hall of Fame, but does work out for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders in Tennessee. Got that? I'll give you the scoop later. And yours truly finds some sports line artifacts, and the fans of the show literally come out of the Twitter sphere. Twitterverse. But first, the Blue Jays win three of four at home in Seattle. And it might have been a sweep were it not for Joe Biagini and manager John Gibbons. The rest of the players are off the hook. Management's off the hook. Two people caused a loss yesterday, or it would have been an Eepsway against uh, Seattle, say. Uh, after fighting back from a 3-1 deficit. And this has been baseball. When, you, when you're trailing and you come back and tie the game the way the Blue Jays did yesterday in the seventh, you tie the game, the crowd now is going wild in Seattle, all those Blue Jay fans. You have got to ensure that you do not give up a run in the next inning. That's a cardinal rule in baseball, in any sport. You've come back to tie the game. You've made a comeback. Do not allow the other team back into the game. But what happens? Joe Biagini, who got the last out of the sixth in relief of uh, Gaviglia, who we'll talk about in a second, is going to face 2-3-4 in the Seattle batting order. And that's not good. And especially because Nelson Cruz and Kyle Seeger are absolute Blue Jay killers and Joe Biagini killers. So what does John Gibbons do? Anybody, what does he do? He leaves Biagini in there knowing that with his ERA of like 6.66, that he's not an effective pitcher. He's not a major league pitcher. His curveball doesn't curve that much, and he leaves it up high. He doesn't, he doesn't uh, value the strike zone. Everything, he, when he misses, he misses high, and they just kick the crap out of it. So Gibbons now, his team is tied 3-3 in Seattle. He got a chance to sweep them. Leaves Biagini into the game. First batter gets on. Nelson Cruz, two-run homer. The same Nelson Cruz that homered off Biagini Friday night. Same guy. You got to have a memory, don't you? Uh, did, didn't Cruz kill us the other night? Who was the pitcher? Biagini? Oh, let's put him back in there. Dumb, dumb. And then he leaves him in there. So now it's 5 3 for Kyle Seeger. Boom, another home run. So it's 6 to 3. And the Jays, you know, after that nice little comeback in the seventh, 
fall flat on their face. Hebsey, I have serious concerns. Maybe the Jays aren't making the playoffs this year. I'm seriously concerned. Well, what about next year? Do you think Joe Biagini has a future with the Toronto Blue Jays? When you're looking at the staff for 2019, are you going, yeah, we, we're here's the problem with Biagini. And, and this is a simple one, and this is not just him. It's a lot of players that I find on the Blue Jays today. Look at some of these guys realistically and say, do they have a future on this team? Will they be playing on this team in 2019 and 2020? And more than half the roster, the answer is no. They're fill-in guys. We're waiting for the kids to come up. I don't know what to do. So with Biagini, for example, I mean, you look at his numbers and go, how, how is he pitching in the major leagues? How is he possibly, how is Sam Gaviglio pitching in the major leagues? Well, because the Jays don't, you know, they, they don't want to go after better pitchers. They, they feel that the, these guys are a stopgap measure and that the fans will take this nonsense. Well, I can't. I mean, when you got a chance to win a ball game, uh, give me somebody better than that. And, and the problem with Biagini is quite simple. Biagini is not a starter. Biagini is not a reliever. He's not a long reliever. He's not a short reliever. He's not a spot starter. And there's no other category to put him in at the major league level. If he can't start and he can't relieve, what's he doing in the major leagues? Wouldn't you want to see a younger kid, even if the kid gets the snot beaten out of him on the mound and he's got some potential, let, this, let, let some kid have a chance. Biagini's chance, gone. Terrible. Pitching in the major leagues. I mean, that's... Why would I pay good money to see a guy who's a triple-A pitcher? And I know he's an irreverent guy, and he, he's a great interview, and you don't know what to expect. Hey, that's fine when you're winning. That's fine when you're getting batters out. Oh, he's adorable, Joe Biagini. Who knows what he's going to say next? Such an irreverent character. Wonderful when your team is winning and when you are getting guys out. But when you're getting clobbered and you're losing ball games for your team, and you look like the most uncomfortable pitcher in the world. Tell me in all honesty, when you watch Joe Biagini pitch versus, let's say, Ryan Barucki, who looks more comfortable out there? Who's more composed out there? Who has confidence out there? Barucki. But Biagini's fidgety, and he's this, and he's nervous, and he always, if you notice, he always wipes his face or his uh, uh, upper lip with, with, like, his shirt. Like when he gave up the home run yesterday, I think the Seager home run, as, as Seager has hit the ball, Biagini's in his follow-through, and he like grabs his shirt and he wipes his, his, uh, his upper lip area, that, that perspiration up there. He's a nervous guy. He's a fidgety guy. He doesn't look comfortable out there. And it shows in his pitching. And Gavilia's the same way, and I've said this before. Not a major league pitcher. He looks uncomfortable out there. I mean, how much of a bullpen session do you need how many warm-up pitches do you need before you feel comfortable in your office, on the mound? That's your job. Estrada usually looks pretty comfortable out there. Hap used to look uh, pretty comfortable up there. Sanchez, no. Sanchez never, maybe it's the finger issue or whatever, but even when he led the league in the ERA, he just never looked, you know, comfortable. Occasionally, but I, I want to see some confidence out there, and I don't see it with these guys, so please, let someone else. I mean, be a genie, great little story for about a half a year. 666 ERA, please release the guy. Get rid of him. Thank you. And a great little song by uh, Barry Davis, as I recall, Be a Genie. Oh, no, I didn't know that. Yeah, I guess one day we'll pull it up and play it. Did yeah. Barry, yeah, did yeah. he have a song there? Yeah. <laughs> did you it's like not on, wait, It's not on your uh, smartphone there. You haven't. You don't have it on regular rotation. No, no, I don't. Not well, at you're all. missing it, bud. I'll have to check that out. Um, so now. <sighs> And the Gavilio thing, another one was, and I hear these commentators, the Rogers commentators and the TSN commentators, and it's like, oh, 
he had a pretty good start. He went five and two-thirds innings. <laughs> he struck out seven, which, folks, strikeouts for a pitcher means nothing these days. Honest to God, this is a stat that really you should push away. It means nothing. Everybody strikes out. If I told you that this guy struck out seven and five and two-thirds, and I didn't tell you anything else about his pitching line, nothing. Hey, he struck out seven and five and two-thirds. You're like, wow, that's a pretty good strikeout rate. He must be a pretty good pitcher. It means nothing. I'd rather have seven ground ball outs from the guy. You got a chance for a double play, and it keeps, it keeps the fans engaged in the game. So he strikes out seven, but what people didn't mention was the fact that he gave up seven hits and three walks. <laughs> That's ten base runners in five and two-thirds. That's a bad whip. So the number of strikeouts means nothing. Absolutely nothing. So stop it with these, and he struck out seven. And also, every single highlight package has got to show the strikeout. It's become so boring, <laughs> right? Like, I need to see another guy swing and miss at a pitch, right? That's the highlight package. You know, not a pop-up, not a ground ball. I know that's not exciting, but if you're going to talk about a pitcher, just show me a close-up of the guy for 10 seconds. But I don't need to see the third strike of a stri- of strike three. It happens all the time. Hepsi, before you move on, please, because we mentioned Barry Davis. You know, he has a Tom Petty tribute band. Like yeah, this we, weekend he we ain't Petty, it's called. We ain't Petty. Have you considered, Hebsy on Sports, maybe we do, I think, a tragically hip tribute band. Like, what if we started one? Yeah. This is what the Blue Jay podcasters and sports podcasters are doing these days. Honestly, let's we'll talk offline. That's a I'll use that line again. We'll talk offline and maybe we'll start a tragically hip uh, tribute. Well, band. I'm not musically inclined. Nor well, neither you. am I. I was but relying you mean, on you. You mean gather up some people that oh. can play tragically hip? Yeah, like if any music? list, if any Hebsy on sports, like practically hip, like got that kind of thing, like weekends, yeah, oh. like the cover bands. Yeah, I, there was a lo- there was a band called Road Apples. That yeah, played, Road Apples. Uh, yeah, there's all kinds of them. We're going to start one. All right. Any listener, any Hebsy on Sports listeners, can you tweet at Hebsy and me? Uh, tell us what instrument you play and if you can sing. Yeah. We want to do this. That would be great. I love that. Oh, I, I think that's really cool. Great idea. That's why I'm here. Um, are you a Josh Donaldson fan? I was, for sure. And You, you know, uh, he used to play for the Blue Jays. He was the MVP. Yeah. But you know what he does now, eh? When is he doing? He's, uh, he's a commentator for UFC. Do you, yeah, <laughs> you know that? Yeah, I'm watching the game Saturday night. I'm watching the Jays in Seattle. It's about, I don't know, 11.30 at night. So they're in, you know, there's a late start. Right. And all of a sudden I get this tweet from Josh. Do- it's Josh Donaldson tweeting out. I'm thinking, hey, he's watching the Jays. He's watching his team saying something like, oh, wish I was in Seattle with the team. Looks like fun. No, here's what his tweet said. Quote, yeah. no respect for the greatest pound for pound champ ever in UFC history. Never got rocked or hit with anything significant and loses. At Mighty Mouse UFC is all class. Can't wait to see him back. And I'm like, hmm. Why is <laughs> Josh Why is Josh Donaldson not watching his Blue Jay teammates play against the Seattle Mariners? Or at least does he have more than one TV in his house? Can he watch both of them? And maybe if he comments on the UFC, can he also comment on the Jays? No comment whatsoever on Twitter from Josh Donaldson about the Blue Jays and the Seattle series and anything like that. Nothing. His only tweet is about UFC. I thought, you know, as he's recovering from his thigh injury, maybe we've <laughs> just seen the last of Josh Donaldson as a Toronto Blue Jay. Maybe this is the way he has to go out as a UFC. Because if I'm a player and I hear about this, I'm going, really? Josh wasn't even watching the game? But, but well, it, okay, it's a lame duck seat. Like, the season's over. It doesn't matter. We're playing out he's the being string. paid. He's being paid. <laughs> I'm not as angry about this as you are. I don't even care. I'm, I'm not he, angry. I, I'm disappointed. His teammates don't care. I'm he's disappointed out that Josh Donaldson... Yeah is not uh, engaged with the Toronto Blue Jays. I, I'm disappointed. Where is he now? Like, is he... Where, He's it, rehabbing in Florida? In Florida, okay. I think. You know... Or I him bet and you, Troy Tulowitzki are hanging out, comparing notes. I bet you... I bet you I can stay out longer than you. <laughs> oh, I don't think so. I can stay out the whole year. Oh, I don't know about that. <laughs> 
let's agree on this. Uh, Josh Donaldson is in his last season as a Toronto Blue Jay. No, he's going to come back next year. They're <laughs> going to offer him a one-year, because he won't go free agency. Nobody wants him. This is his free agent season. This was the season to make money. He's not even playing. And even the stats that he does have in 20 games or whatever are horrible. So the only cho- choice he's got is for the Blue Jays to offer him a one-year deal for, I think it's $18 million or something like that, and hope like hell that he plays well next year at 18 mil. Only problem is he's going to have to beat out V. Guerrero Jr. to play third base. This reminds me of that one-year deal we gave Batista at the end there. Uh, wasn't that yeah. like 18 mil or something? But, yep. uh, what did you think of that? Was that worth it? No, but I think I think uh, Batista. We had evidence that he was done, and Donaldson. We have evidence he's injured, but I don't think he's done. Right? He's not. He's not Tulowitzki here. I think uh, well, Donaldson. How do you know? I don't know. I, don't I mean, how long? Listen, it's a thigh injury. It's not like you know, Tulowitzki had surgery on both heels to remove bone spurs. That's surg- surgically repaired. Donaldson hasn't had surgery. His shoulder seems better, and his thigh now is. Bo- I mean, my thigh's been bothering me too. <laughs> and I'm not a major league baseball player, but I mean, after how much therapy and how much, you know, uh, whatever, do you determine that you've got, you're out for the rest of the season and you need some kind of surgery? Or it's just, I got to rest it. And... But what this tells us is even Josh Donaldson uh, has lost interest in watching this Toronto Blue Jays game. <laughs> yeah, he wants to watch the UFC. <laughs> well, I'm him? bummed about that. I don't like that. <laughs> I don't like it at all. Uh, how about the Red Sox? Wow, Yankees go to Boston. They're five and a half out. They're, you know, going to make a charge now. And Boston sweeps them. And not only did they sweep them at home, it's the way they won the fourth and final game of the series. Coming back with two runs in the ninth, with two outs against Aroldis Chapman, the wife beater. Right? And I have to tell you, whenever I watch Aroldis Chapman pitch, I hope like hell that somebody hits one right back at him. Like right back and hits him right in the head with a line drive. I just, you know, I thought that... Had he been up on charges today versus how many years ago? When was it the Cubs? Twenty fourteen or whatever it was, twenty fifteen. Uh, it's a different culture today, and I, you know, kind of think that guys like him kind of got away with stuff. I never liked him anyway. I just so I was hoping like hell that the Red Sox would not only you know uh, get to him but uh, beat him, and they did. It was very exciting to watch a, the, one of the great closers of the game and a polarizing figure um, get beat by the Boston uh, Red Sox. Do you remember when it was so rare that a, a pitcher would t- hit 100 miles an hour with his fastball? Like, Nolan Ryan could do it, but, like, very few people could do it. But nowadays, doesn't it feel like a lot of pitchers can hit 100 miles an hour? Mike, I think we have to realize, too, that um, th- measuring the speed of a pitcher's pitch is only something that's come along in the last, mm, I'm going to say, decade and a half, maybe, where there was a radar gun on every pitch, and they're automatically there. You used to have a thing called a jugs gun, where a guy would have to stand behind home plate. There was a famous guy who was the Do- a Dodgers, L.A. Dodgers guy, who you could see him on, every time they sh- have a shot from the center field camera, he would wear a white hat, like a white fedora, and he'd hold out this, this jugs gun. Uh, to get the miles per hour. But that wasn't announced on television or at the ballpark as to how many miles an hour the pitcher hit, right? So back in the day, they said, and listen, Goose Gossage threw over 100 miles an hour. Believe me, I sat at enough games and heard the pop in the catcher's mitt. I know what 100 miles an hour sounds like, okay? (laughs) He threw 100. Nolan Ryan threw 100. Koufax threw 100. It's just that you didn't flash up the miles per hour. And now we're obsessed with that. Oh, it was only a 79-mile-an-hour pitch. So we're really into that, you know, your changeup has to be 10 miles an hour less than your fastball, 8 to 12 miles an hour, all that stuff, really. Unless you stand up there as a hitter, you got no idea. It's the movement of the ball, right? Some guy can throw 100 and the ball's perfectly straight, like Chapman did yesterday. 
101. Boom. If I'm if I'm a major league hitter, I can measure a 101 mile an hour straight fastball. But if it's 92 and it's got movement, yeah, like John Axford's fastball before it had more movement than anybody I ever saw. He couldn't keep it in the strike zone. He'd hit guys, wild pitches. He could throw hard, but the movement on the ball is a lot of times much more important than the actual speed. Let me share a quick uh, story. I, this is a line I heard about Frank Tanana. It was like in the early 90s. He was still around. This guy had a long career. Yes, and I remember the line was, and I still remember because I watched it live and the commenter made this line. I thought, that's a great line. Frank Tanana, he threw in the 90s, in the 70s, and now he throws in the 70s and the 90s. <laughs> that's right. Well, Frank Tanana was part of one of the great one-two punches in all of baseball. Nolan Ryan and Frank Tanana with the Angels were an unbelievable pair. And Tanana used to throw hard. He was a hard, like you said, hard. And then he yeah. ended up being a softy, right. like a Tommy John. See, Tommy John was the same. He was a hard thrower. And then when he had that surgery that they named after him, right. he had to learn to be a crafty. He was a crafty left-hander. See, every left-hander that throws slow is a crafty left-hander. Right. You never hear crafty right-hander. You just don't. Right. By the same token, the best swings in baseball are left-handed batters. Yes. All of them have been beautiful. There, uh, uh, there has never been a right-handed batter that has a swing as sweet as John Olrude's or Will Clark or Rafael Palmero or Ken Griffey Jr. Name them. It's all lefties. So right. for some reason, lefties get, get a better break. Lefty hitters, and, and every lefty pitcher that's slow is a crafty left-hander. Absolutely. No, that's a great line, though. Uh, we were talking about Aroldis Chapman and his problems with the law and the way he treats women. Uh, uh, speaking of alleged uh, wife beaters, uh, Roberto Osuna, activated by Houston, did not get into the game against the Dodgers. Uh, I was watching it with my buddy, Jeff. We were at Jeff and Susan's place after uh, golfing at Crosswinds, and uh, we were, wanted to see. Maybe Houston's got a lead. <clears throat> and they're going to bring Osuna in, but they didn't. They lost to the Dodgers 3-2. He never got into the game. But we were interested in seeing the reaction of the fans when he came into pitch. And this was in L.A., right? But everywhere he goes, and certainly when he goes back to Houston, uh, that reaction is going to be something that uh, the cameras are going to be focused on. And, you know, quite frankly, I, um, I think the Houston players and the Houston management look really uncomfortable. A.J. Hinch was really uncomfortable when they asked him. He said, I don't know how to react to it. I don't know what to tell you. Um, he's coming back. He's been activated. Uh, you can tell that his teammates are very apprehensive about embracing this guy. And it may really have a detrimental effect on the team. I don't know. Uh, but Lance McCullers Jr. Uh, was put on the 10-day disabled list to make room for Osuna on the roster. And that is another thing. It's like, you know, hmm, what happens when 10 days goes by and Lance McCullers Jr. wants to come back? Are, are they, are they going to make all these arrangements so that Osuna sticks with the team? And he hasn't pitched in how long? Uh, does he come right in there in a safe situation? And what if he blows it and... So much of this uncomfortability. I mean, so much of it is uncomfortability. Uncomfortability. Is that, <clears throat> Isn't in the that a tragically hip song, right? The uncomfortability <laughs> right. of death. <laughs> no, sorry, right. that's the inevitability. Right, which is a great jam. But uh, <laughs> is the fact that unknown? Like we know, Major League Baseball suspended him seventy-five games, so we know it's very serious because yeah. they did their own investigation. But in the public domain, at least in the newspapers and everything I'm listening to, we actually don't know the specifics. We know the charges. And we know they must be serious. We can assume this. And, of course, all charges of that nature should be taken very, very seriously. But we don't know. And I think this whole sense that, you know, soon we'll know, but we don't know. We don't know. You'll never creates know. This, uh, don't you think it will be revealed when this is all resolved? Maybe I, don't, I, don't think, I don't think you're ever going to know all the details. See, that's it. We want to know all the details. He punched her, allegedly. Okay. It's, oh, it's proven. She had the bruises. Okay. How many times did he hit her? <clears throat> right? How hard did he hit her? Did 
did he throw her down the stairs like that guy that we saw the video of? Right. So we're, people are going to speculate. Uh, and also people are going to go into his past and say, well, he, you know, uh, he was seen at bars talking to single women. Okay, what is, does that mean he doesn't know? To, so you're going to get all of that. And quite, and quite frankly, it just it boggles my mind that we're even spending this much time about a person's personal life. However, once you enter the realm of professional sports... Right, you're a public figure. You're a public figure, and you're going to be judged, whether you like it or not. Yeah, uh, absolutely. You're a tennis fan? Uh, yeah. You see, um, the Rogers Cup is going on, and naturally Rogers, which owns you know, um, Rogers Sportsnet and such, are you know, they're going heavy with the coverage, naturally. They're going to do all the matches. <clears throat> but what, I, what kills me is, uh, when you do your openings in television... And you're introducing, you know, it's time now for the Rogers Cup, and here we are, let's go to the venue, or let, here's a report now. You have to, the, the reporters are usually standing within the background. There's, there's the arena. There's the, you know, there's some interesting-looking background. But what kills me is when they make them dress up with sport jackets on, and it's 150 degrees out. Right. And, and you know, tennis is not a sport for sport jackets. Players don't wear sport jackets. The officials don't wear sport jackets. At the end, when they di- give the trophies out, you know, there's a couple of guys, you know, with those club jackets on. Same in golf, too. But it looks dumb. Sport jackets look dumb on tennis courts and on golf courses. They look dumb. Uh, if you're an NHL coach, yeah, of course. You got a sport jacket on. You got a suit on. If you're an NBA coach, yeah, you got a, a sport jacket on. I get that. If you're an NFL coach, you either dress like Bill Belichick, <laughs> and maybe you might have a sport jacket on, but not too often. Right. Those days are kind of gone. Right. Um, but yeah, it just looks weird. So anyway, Sportsnet, the, I guess the producer decided, you know, we're going to have Brad Fay, Robert Bedauer, and Damian Cox stand there with sport jackets on, right? For now, and it's not for thirty seconds or two minutes. It's not for the length of time that they're doing their little interview. They got to be out there in advance. They got to, you know, stand by. And so who knows how long they're out there for? And they got to mop the sweat off their brow. I just I'll think bet. it looks. Why wouldn't they just have them wearing? Like tennis shirts, yeah. like a nice tennis shirt with a TSN or a Sportsnet logo on it. Well, hopefully not a TSN logo. No, no, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> but I just, I never could understand that. I never could understand that. I mean, okay, it's hockey and you hear it. Let's go to Ron McLean or, or uh, yeah, you guys got a suit and a tie on. I get that. How come the baseball managers dress like the players? Uh, I I it's the only sport where they dress like the players. Well, you know, I, yeah, that was you know <laughs> J- Connie Mack, who owned the Philadelphia A's for like a hundred years. Yeah. He was the only guy that like sit in the dugout and wear like a suit and tie. He was the only one. Everyone else, I guess, it was the manager wore the same thing as the players, right? So, you know, the socks and the cleats and the uniform and right and that thing. Like now, they've got warm up jackets on. I guess makes them look a little different. But that's yeah, the only one. What if what if football coaches wore you know the same outfits as the players <laughs> or the right? hockey guys? Thing. I'm just saying. Yeah, it just coach. anyway. So I'm not and I'm not picking on just on Sportsnet. That's just the way it is in the television no more business. I need you to sports stand- jackets or blazers. Well, uh, same thing. I mean, a sport. Thing, okay. it's, isn't it the same thing? I don't know. I was going to ask. Are there a difference? I because I always called them blazers. Well, a Blazer, yeah, I guess a blazer is sort of a one. Because in grade like nine, I had to wear a blazer. A blue so blazer. Well, that's like a club blazer, like a, your your school blazer, right? Or, you know, the one with the school logo or something like that. But it's sports safe. jacket sounds cooler. Sports jacket, or it could be a suit jacket. You could right. be wearing a suit. And it's a, anyway, you're dressed up, and you're, it's tennis. Come on, free Damian Cox, please. No, no more sport jackets. Put tennis, put tennis shirts on these guys. Same with golf. I don't want to see. Wear a golf shirt. You're on a golf course. Come on. I'm with you. Thank you. So anyway, I'm moving, and thanks very much, by the way, for your couch, Mike. Which you slept on, right? Which I, I passed so out of the So for the couch. record, tell everybody, you have now, you can now say, I've yeah. slept on Toronto, Mike's Right, couch. so I moved, and uh, <clears throat> Mike was nice enough to uh, uh, give me uh, the couch that was down here in uh, the studio, and a uh, fabulous TV stand that 
Uh, he and his wife Monica were nice enough to to donate, I guess, to the cause. Oh, I was selling it to you. You didn't know that. <laughs> I'm going to send you an invoice. Well, I'm charging you labor charges to get it out of here. So while I'm doing packing and unpacking, and I'm unpacking some boxes, it's been a while, and I find all this great sports line stuff from back in the day when I worked there. I worked there from 1984 to 1995. Global Television Sports Line, greatest sports show on TV, 11:30 every night, only station that had like highlights. Up to the date, up to the minute highlight. And a sense of humor about it. We tried Appointment viewing for right. guys my age. Jim Taddy and I tried to have fun with it. And we had a good crew of people working there, and it was a good show for a number of years. Anyway, so I find all these old photos and memorabilia, stuff from the days of Sportsline. One is this terrific caricature done by artist Rob McDougall, whose work you would know, he was the artist in the Toronto Sun for many years, all the sports art, uh, cartoonist, terrific. So he had done a a caricature of me and Jim on the sports line set with big smiles on our faces, yucking it up. It was a really terrific um, illustration of what it was like to work there and how much fun we used to have. So I posted, I took a photo of it and I posted it on Twitter and man, like out of nowhere, people are like, Whoa, I remember. And they're telling, people are telling stories about how, when they watched the show and uh, they used to sit with their dad and, or in the dorm room, all these great little stories about how Sportsline had an effect on their lives and how it made them big sports fans and how they really enjoyed it and they missed that kind of a show, et cetera, et cetera. Anyway, along the way, Taddy posts a photo, the same photo. He has the original drawing. Yes, guy. The original drawing by Rob McDougall, and he has it in his office at the radio station he works at in Hamilton. And so he posts the original with a little story, and it's saying, I have much more Sportsline memorabilia. Operators are standing by. <laughs> Which was pretty funny. Toronto Mike <laughs> should make a road trip to Hamilton yeah. to cover this uh, like art gallery, essentially, this He's, sports line so, exhibit. And listen, Forget Banksy. I, I worked there 11 years. Jim was there like 20 years. Yeah. I mean, he must have all kinds of stuff. There were lots of articles written about us in newspapers and uh, uh, yeah. magazines and stuff like photos taken and some pretty cool stuff. Uh, we interviewed a lot of people. We covered a lot of great sports over the years. So Jim has now apparently got some pretty cool stuff as well, as I would think. So people are now just commenting and just, oh, I remember this and that. And I remember this highlight. I remember when you showed the fight between uh, Bob Probert and Marty McSorley the whole minute and a half. <laughs> right. And, I, and so, of course, it's jogging my memory. I'm, oh, that's right. Yeah. We did do that. And we did it because we could. We did it because we were not suppressed. And that's one of the reasons that I wanted to do this podcast, Hebsey on Sports, is I don't want, we never wanted someone to go, you can't do that, you can't say that, you can't do that. We did whatever the hell we wanted, within reason. And it was revolutionary. Nobody would show a minute and a half of a hockey fight. We did. Because we knew that's what the viewers wanted. And now, years later, the viewers are going, thank you for showing that Probert McSorley fight. Thank you for showing that hit by Wendell Clark on Bruce Bell. Right? The next gen of sports center type people, be it a Jay Onright or a Dan O'Toole, the next gen owes everything to you guys. They yeah. were all they all grew up watching you and Jim Taddy and being inspired by you guys and saying, I want to do that. It was fun. So Jay Onright should give you a cut of his uh, monster paycheck. Nah. Right, you know? okay, listen, it was fun to do, uh, you know, and it's great that people uh, my intention wasn't to uh, my intention was basically, hey, look at this. I found this old thing. Remember this? Yeah. You know, nineteen ninety two and everybody go, Oh, nineteen ninety two, I'll never forget back. You know. Can so, I ask I'm oh, sorry, you yep, please go I was gonna it. ask a Jim Taddy question. Sure. Uh, it, like if you had betting we're betters here, you know, what oh. what are the odds that Jim Taddy would do an episode of Hebsey on Sports? I mm, it's not but a, is it but it's not part zero. of the format? But it's not part of the format. But, but isn't it fun 
in my ex- it is Hepsi on sports, not Toronto Mike on sports. Right. But uh, I do like once in a while breaking formats. Like I find yeah. it fun to break the format once in a while. Yeah, but, and in breaking the format for Jim Taddy, please, that's a no brainer. But, but, but I, is it even is it greater than one? Is it greater than zero percent chance that Taddy would even do it? I think it would. De- I think it would depend on what he was in for. Like, w- is it going to be an inquisition? Do I ask him a bunch of questions? Do we take questions from the from the uh, you, listeners? Uh, you wax nostalgic yeah. upon the old sports line days. Well, hmm. And I would, since I'm recording it for Hebsey on Sports, I would steal it and uh, yeah. make it a part of a Toronto Mike episode. Well, let's well. leave. I tell you what, let's leave it up to the listeners. All right. Do you, if you think that's something worthwhile pursuing, if it's something that you would like to hear, let us know. Okay. This hashtag is a, yes guy. Hashtag yes guy. And by the way, that's Jim's. He owns that. Like he trademarked oh, that. Like he, let's get ready to rumble. He makes money every time we say it. Yeah. <laughs> he uh, he trademarked yes guy, no guy, yes guy, no guy. Uh, and that guy's but anyway, but yeah, we'll we'll find out. Listen, if enough people want to, uh, we'll pursue it. We'll see how it goes. He maybe I don't know. I don't even know what to say. It's been a long time. I haven't seen him in a while. Well, I didn't mean to make you uncomfortable, but that's no, what no, no, everyone no. listen. I have to uh, ask the questions the listener is thinking in their head. Right and now. I'm glad you do. And thank you for that. And listen, <laughs> any question you've got, ask Hebsey. Go right ahead and listen. That's another thing too. With this, this is an interactive show. All right. I mean, you, the listener, you're you're engaged, and you um, you actually own a part of this uh, program. Right. So at Hebsey Man and at Toronto Mike, hit us up. Yeah, hit us up and tell us. And what tell Jim <clears throat> Taddy to come come over and do uh, Hebsey on Sports in Toronto Mike. Yeah. yeah. What do you What do you want to hear? What do you want to hear? Anyway, I'll I'll find some more old sports line photos and stories and stuff like that if you want to hear those. Terrell Owens got inducted into the National the Football Hall of Fame, Pro Football Hall of Fame. It's called in Canton, Ohio. Didn't want to go. And uh, he's a rebel. I get that. He had his own little party in uh, Tennessee, where he's from. And then the next day, he's working out for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Now, he didn't go up to Regina. They came down to, to uh, Yehopitzville, Tennessee, or wherever it is he's from. Uh, and uh, there's one piece of video that some guy shot with, a, with an iPhone and held it wrong. Folks, if you're going to shoot video, do me a favor. Don't hold the camera up and down. Don't hold it so that the switch is at the bottom. Hold it sideways. You get a nice wide shot. You fills the entire frame instead of two black stripes on yes, each side. Uh, please. Landscape is called. <clears throat> yeah. yeah. Please do not shoot it up and down. That's the only video available of Terrell Owens working out for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders is some, you know, some guy holding up. Hey, look at that. It's Terrell Owens. T.O., what's going on? How old is Terrell? 38. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. Johnny Manziel's debut, by the way, was pretty bad. Well, I was going to ask you. I was going to ask you. Uh, did you watch? <laughs> yeah. I watched. The first thing is, you look, if you're going to debut Johnny Manziel, don't debut him against the former team that he played for. Because Hamilton's defense knew everything about Johnny Manziel. They knew, they knew what he was going to do before he did it. So point. that smart thing for Montreal to do would have been to say, let's wait until after the Hamilton game. Right, so that he's not playing against these guys that know his every move. Silly, ridiculous thing. I will say on my Twitter feed, uh, I haven't seen that much uh, CFL action since the Grey Cup. So for what, what I know, he had a terrible debut, uh, Johnny Football, but uh, he sure did move the needle in terms of awareness of like CFL exists. This game is happening. Right. I saw lots of tweets about it. Yeah. So how many jerseys do you think they they shipped to uh, to Montreal with Johnny Manziel's number two? How many? Well, um, four thousand. One hundred and fifty. Is that right? That's all. 150. That's and I know off. this for a fact. And by the way, you can only buy these jerseys at the Alouette store, which is only open 25 hours before game time at McGill Stadium, right? It's a little kiosk, huh. right? So you got to supply. So you bring all your supplies in the day before the game. You set them all up in this little kiosk. You've got 
the day before and the day of the game to sell them, and then one hour after the game. And then you got to take all that stuff out of there because they use it for something else. That's the Alouette store there. So ridiculous. Did they sell out, the 150? I think they did. (laughs) But what happened was other players on the Alouettes got upset. How come it's only his jersey? Why isn't it my jersey? Egos. Oh, my God, I know it's ridiculous stuff. Um, One thing about golf, Justin Thomas won the World Golf Championship. It was as boring as the week before when Dustin Johnson won the Canadian Open. The whole thing was with Tiger. And on Saturday, I see this headline saying, and Tiger... Uh, you know, and there's a shot of Tiger Woods and their little highlights going, and Tiger. And I'm thinking, ooh, he's in the hunt. No, he shot three over par. He shot six over for the weekend. But since it was so boring, they had to have some kind of a Tiger thing, a Tiger sighting. Here's Tiger almost making a par. It just goes to show you how badly the tour needs Tiger because when you got winners like Justin Thomas and Dustin Johnson, <clears throat> oh, boring stuff, boring stuff. Um, so if you're enjoying this show, if you like what you hear, we urge you to share it with your friends. We want you to shout it out from the rooftops. We want you to tell everybody that you know that thousands of people are listening to Hebsy on sports. The more listeners we have, the better it is for my ego and Mike's. The easier it is to have a sustainable, entertaining podcast. The more we attract sponsors. So please do me a favor. Put the word out. Share. Don't like. Like is nice. Do both. And I do it sometimes. <laughs> but if you're going to hit like, also share. Don't be afraid to say, hey, I like this. And I want to share it with you. Just liking it means only you and me know that you like it. It's anonymous. A like is kind of a, an anonymous thing. Do both. Do both, please. And when you, when you go to Crosswinds, and you should go to Crosswinds, let Crosswinds know I heard about it on Hebsey on Yeah, Sports. say, hey, Hebsey sent me. I hear it's great. I hear that on a stinking hot day, you actually supply free water. We don't have to buy it for $3 <laughs> a bottle and stuff like that. And if you're even thinking about getting a mortgage or refinancing or anything to do with more, uh, that department, you need to call Johnny V. Like, text him or call him yeah. and let him know, hey, Johnny V., I heard about you on Hebsey. On yeah, John Vasso, 647-533-1440. And, and this is the guy, like when you go to the bank, they rip you off. They tell you, oh, you want a five-year mortgage. Why do they tell you? Why? Because that's five years that they've got you for. At whatever rate the banks, big banks decide. Don't do that. And don't go to a jewelry guy. Don't go to Harold. Johnny you know? B. Hi, I can get you a mortgage, a fifth mortgage, a seventh mortgage, a second mortgage. Come over to me and, if, and bring your jewels as well. Right? You got coins? I'll, coins? Stamps? No. You want an expert on mortgages. John Vasso, 647-533-1440. Johnny V. So yeah, um, please patronize the sponsors and, and retweet, share, tell folks about Hebsey on Sports, and then you'll be able to go, hey, you know, if it wasn't for me telling people, they would have never known. You have influence too. So thank you for that, and thanks for listening to Hebsey on Sports. That's it for this edition of the show. Hope you enjoyed it. We're back soon with another. And I should tell you that Toronto Mike offers inspiration. Toronto Mike offers dedication. And we thank CrosswindsGolf.com and John Vassos, the mortgage specialist, for sponsoring the program. It's Hebsy on Sports. And thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for letting us so uh, in between your ears. And we'll be back with another edition soon. I, I, I actually wrote down the extra to the show somewhere. I should know it, but I'm ad-libbing it now. So that's it for this edition of Hebsey on Sports. Follow me as Hebsey Man on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And Toronto Mike is at Toronto Mike. And his website is torontomike.com. And let me tell you, 
He's got the most comfortable couch I've ever slept on. <laughs> so, thanks a lot. Thanks for allowing us into your headspace. So long for now. <laughs>